All right. I want you to notice in verse 22 of Isaiah 45, it says, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth and righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say, In the Lord have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come. All that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. And here in this passage that we just read, uh, many passages here in Isaiah chapter 45 are quoted in Romans when talking about our salvation. When When Paul was writing about the salvation that we preach, a salvation that we have that is in the Lord Jesus Christ, he went to this chapter. These are verses that he looked at and in the New Testament, a couple of different times, we're going to look at them later. Verse 23 is uh, quoted where it says that unto me, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. He had said too, I am God. There is none else. If you go back to verse 18, he says, for thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord there is none else. So what I want to preach about this morning is I'm going to preach on the Lordship of Christ. And that term Lord, it just means supreme in authority. And the word Lord, it doesn't necessarily always have to be used in reference to God, but it is appropriate when we're referencing it to God because of the fact that he is the ultimate authority. So for example, if you have a boss at work, technically he's your Lord. Any authority that you have, is kind of a lord over you. Now, in our world, in our culture, we don't really use that that much. We kind of reserve that title for God. And, you know, to tell you the truth, I'm kind of okay with that. But at the same time, uh, we do see the verse of the Bible where it talks about how Sarah referred to Abraham, calling him Lord. And it did that just showing the fact that she was in submission to him, that she recognized Abraham as her authority. And so Lord, it's just kind of like another term for boss or one in authority. But whenever the Bible is talking about the Lordship of Christ, one thing that is emphasized about that is the fact that He is supreme. That He is Lord above all other lords. And any Lord or authority on this earth that goes against the Word of God is in rebellion because of the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. Did you know you all can go against some of my rules and did you know you're not going to be in trouble with God or you're not even going to be in trouble with me because I'm not your Lord in those areas. So therefore, you can kind of do what you want to do. I have no place of authority. If another, if I see a person here in town speeding, I have not been granted any authority to pull them over and give them a ticket so they are not in trouble with me. For somebody to be in trouble with me It implies that I have some authority over them somewhere. I hold some lordship over them. And if I don't, then I can run my mouth all I want. At the end of the day, I can't really do anything. And we need to understand that when it comes to all power on earth, Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Jesus Christ is Lord of everything that goes on in this earth. And so understand anytime any individual, anytime any government, Anytime anybody does anything that is against the will of God, that is against the word of God, they are in rebellion against their Lord. Whether they want to recognize him as Lord or not, they are in rebellion because Jesus Christ 
is Lord. And I want to preach this because we need to make sure that we're careful when speaking against Lordship salvation, and I am against Lordship salvation, by the way, that we don't go into another ditch and act like Jesus isn't Lord. And that he is, and that people, or that people don't have to recognize him as Lord. And we'll talk about what that means here in a minute. Because there are, there are clear examples of heresies that we could look at when it comes to Lordship salvation out there. But here's what people do when they, when they teach false doctrine. If I was going to try to deceive you all with a false doctrine, okay, it would be very foolish for me to keep it real short and to the point right where the heresy's at, wouldn't it? It would help if I said a whole bunch of true stuff and then somewhere in there I inserted the heresy subtly. That, and that's how it typically works. You've got to understand with Lordship Salvation, if you read a description of Lordship Salvation, they will say a lot of things in there that are very true about the Lordship of Christ because Jesus is in fact Lord. People must acknowledge Him as Lord, if they're going to be saved. But what does that mean? And so well, they'll, they'll say all these things that are very true, but it's the leaven that they slip in there that you got to watch out for. And so, uh, you know, but, so while I believe lordship salvation is heresy, I do believe that a person must acknowledge Jesus as Lord in order to be saved. But let me be very clear what that means, okay? So in Philippians 2.9, Look what it said. Turn over to Philippians 2 9, because we're going to see Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 20, uh, 23 quoted. It says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. So it's very clear. You know, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess Jesus is Lord. And you know what? Everybody's going to eventually at some point. Some of them are going to do it at the great white throne of judgment. They are going to have to confess Him as Lord. It will be too late at that point. But let, let me be very clear what I mean by recognizing Him as Lord. And I do believe that everyone who has believed on Christ has recognized Him as Lord. And don't let people who are just kind of going overboard trying to distance themselves from Lordship Salvation, mess you up on this stuff because it is so important. Because if you're, if you're not recognizing Jesus as Lord, if you're not making Him Lord of your life, even as a Christian, you're in rebellion and you're in trouble. That's all there is to it. You know, you're not going to go to hell, but you're in, you're in trouble. And so we need to understand, we need to be careful to accept someone or just condemn someone based on a stated doctrine that they give lip service to. And here's why. Because, okay? for example, our guard goes down when we hear somebody say easy believism, right? Because we identify with that position. But the truth is, there are some people that are more easy believism than we are where they're just kind of one, two, three, repeat after me. And wouldn't we say that there's a problem there? You know, you've got some people too. They're so easy believism that, I mean... You don't even have to call on the Lord. You don't even have to say a prayer. I mean, you got, you know, Calvinists have made it so easy that people didn't even have to do anything. God already did it before the foundation of the world. I mean, we've always got somebody that can take a true doctrine and be more hardcore on it than us. And so the thing is, just because somebody says easy believism 
doesn't mean they can't be in heresy. And the same thing too applies because our guard goes up if somebody says lordship salvation. Our guard goes up real quick. But you know, here's what we need to understand. Neither of those titles or phrases are in the Bible. And so what we have to do is we have to define those. Okay? Now, if you claim a position, now here's what we do in the debating world theologically. If somebody claims a position, you know, like lordship salvation or easy believism, and I don't like that position, typically what I'll do, like a coward, I'll get up, talk about them without them being there. I don't give them a chance to respond, no chance for rebuttal. And then I tell you, I define that position for you, but often my definition does not match up with what they believe. And so the thing is, just because they use that title doesn't make them an automatic heretic because a lot of people might hear that term lordship salvation and think, well, you know, Jesus is Lord. I believe he's Lord. A lot of people might think every tongue, niche about every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, yeah, I believe that. Now, so here's the thing. You know, so if, if I get to define lordship salvation however I want, then I can, or if I can define anything as whatever I want, I can make anything heresy. And that's what people do with easy believism too. You know, when they want to attack us because we're making them look bad because we go souling more than they do and get more people saved than them, they define our easy believism for us. And is it usually what we actually believe? No, it's not. And we think that's really lame when they do that. So why do we do it to the Lordship Salvation crowd? You know, we got we to gotta watch out for that. So, and here's a way to illustrate it. All right, here's an illustration. This isn't a perfect illustration, but the color teal, okay? The color teal. We all know the color teal, right? Now, do you all think it's blue or do you think it's green? My wife and I have argued about it before. My wife will sometimes see something that's teal and she'll say it's blue. And I'll look at it and say, like, like Miss Beulah, I think that's teal what you're wearing right there. I see green. Does anybody see green? That's, uh, that's yeah, see? All right, yeah. How many green people do we have here, right? All right? How many think that's blue what she's wearing? Oh, man, I think we're losing. Well, I'm going to have to preach a sermon on that. But, uh, <laughs> but no, but here's the thing. I, you know, I looked up teal, and teal is a medium to dark greenish blue. Uh, that's the definition. Okay, now, if I'm describing it, I'm describing it as green. I've always argued with people. My dad used to have a teal car, and I always called it green. They talked about the blue car. I was like, that is not blue. I've, I've never seen teal as blue, but some, but some people do. But here's the thing. If I was describing teal, and I described it as green, and my wife was describing teal, and she described it as blue, did you know we're describing the same thing? We just have a different way of describing it. And so when it comes to salvation, I don't really care what you call it as long as you are describing a salvation that is without works, that is based on faith in Jesus Christ. You know, if, if, if we're, as long as we're, if you're talking about the death, burial, resurrection, if you're talking about eternal security, if we're talking about the, if we're talking about the exact same thing, just because you've given it a different title doesn't mean it's the wrong thing. We're talking about the same thing. Now, if you're talking about a salvation where you have to commit to living a life of service to the Lord, and you know where you've got to determine you're going to repent of all your sins, and you're going to be the greatest Christian, and you're going to be that follower of Christ, and you're giving, all, you're giving it all to Him. That's not free salvation, is it? Okay. Now, if you're talking about that, I don't, if you call it Lordship Salvation, it's heresy. If you call it easy believing, it's heresy. And you say, well, nobody would call it that. 
Well, they might. I mean, Jesus did say, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I believe it works, but it's easy. <laughs> because Jesus said it was easy. You know, and so the thing is, you know, what, what's important is that we're talking about the same thing. And, and often, uh, often that can happen. And we end up building straw men to the other side. And I, and I'm, and I do, I am very against lordship salvation, but we need to make sure that's what people are actually describing. That's what they're actually talking about. And just because we hear a word that we don't agree with doesn't mean we're always not talking about the same thing. So, uh, often people fight so hard against the false doctrine, they make the mistake of trying to get as far away from it as they can, and they end up into other heresies. And so here's what you got to understand about most false doctrine is that if you get too far from it, you are in heresy. Because false doctrine are usually close to the truth. It's that little bit of leaven. It's that little bit of leaven that ends up leavening the whole lump. And it's always a, it's always a little heresy. That's how Satan works. Okay, If Satan is too different, it's going to be too obvious. And I've said it before, I don't think we need to be as scared of the Satanists that are out there that look like a bunch of freaks that have all their satanic symbols. I don't think we need to be as scared of them as we are some of these religions out there that look a lot like us, but are teaching a real full-blown lordship salvation. I think those people are more dangerous. And as Bible-believing Christians, you know, we should never get uncomfortable when people are talking about the lordship of Christ. We should never get, in, we should never get uncomfortable when somebody's talking about repentance. Especially when they're talking to save people about repenting of their sins. We shouldn't, get, we shouldn't be uncomfortable with that. We should be very comfortable hearing that kind of thing. We shouldn't shy away from proclaiming the fact that Jesus is Lord just because we're trying so hard to distance ourselves from the MacArthur's and people like that. We, don't, we shouldn't be ashamed of that. And let's look at some Bible on this subject because when we do, when we, get, when we, when we shy away from talking about Jesus Christ as Lord... We end up getting away from so much truth where we're going to confuse people. We're going to send the wrong message. And it's very important that we understand this. So Revelation chapter 19, let's look at a few passages about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because what does that mean? In Revelation 19 verse 15, it says, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Now, folks, you know, if we're going to go so far away from lordship salvation that we're embarrassed about talking about Jesus Lord, that we're trying to make, you know, be like a trendy and make Jesus like this super effeminate, just easygoing hippie that doesn't care about anything, that goes completely contrary to what we see in Revelation 19 where Jesus is showing up with a sword, where he is slaying people, where he's calling on the birds of the earth to come eat the flesh, not just of kings but of bondmen and free men. They are going to eat the flesh of these people. Now you say, that's pretty extreme. That's pretty crazy. Why is he doing that? You know why? Because the kings of the earth, the men of this earth, they have not submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord. And when you do not submit 
to the proper authorities, eventually you're going to get nailed. Eventually, it's going to come back and it's going, it's going to nail your heart. You can get away with some things for a while on this earth. Even with our lords or authorities we have in our country today, eventually they're going to come and get you. You can go ahead and start robbing banks if you want. You can just reject all the laws you want. But eventually, somebody's going to catch you. Eventually, they're going to catch you and they're going to throw you in jail. And you might not recognize them as an authority over your life, but you better believe they're going to exercise that authority over your life and you are going to get thrown in the slammer. You can fight it all you want. They're going to tase you. They're going to shoot you. They're going to do whatever you do. You can go and they're going to put you in an orange jumpsuit. They're going to stand you before a judge and you can stand there and you can have an attitude the whole time and you can say, I don't recognize your authority. I'm not going to call your honor. You can act like a punk and a thug while you're there in court. But that judge, you know what he's just going to do? He's just going to throw you in the slammer and maybe even throw you in for even longer because of your rebellious attitude. And he has the authority to do that and we've got to understand that God is not just some easygoing hippie sitting up in heaven, not caring about the stuff we're doing. He cares about the things we're doing. He's given us a book that's told us not to do some things. And we've got people here on this earth because they have no faith, because they don't believe God. They're just breaking his law. They're going against his word. And they don't even realize that they're racking up judgment for themselves. And one of these days, the Lord of Lords is going to come and he's going to take care of things. We've got to understand our lords in this country today are literally making laws that violate the word of God. I mean, our, our authorities today are passing laws allowing abortion, which is murder. Thank God. You know, we've got some places where they're trying to get rid of some of that and to listen to our other authorities complain about it and cry about it, to hear what some of these people have said about that heartbeat bill in Texas. It's like, how bloodthirsty do you have to be? I mean, how, I mean, just the, how anxious and how desperate they are for women to just be able to kill their babies whenever they want. It's absolutely disgusting. And you see them doing these things. You see people passing these laws and doing march for these things. And you know why they do these things? Because they don't recognize Jesus as Lord, but whether they recognize it or not, He is Lord and they are violating His word. They are violating His commands. That blood that is being shed is crying out to our Lord. And, one, and you say, man, that's pretty violent what we see going on in Revelation 19. That seems pretty extreme. Well, you know, when you think about the millions of babies that we've butchered in this country and that nobody's died for that, no blood has been shed for that, you know, I'm not surprised that the blood's going to be flowing up to the horse's bridle that day. Because that blood needs to be shed for what was done. They have not accepted the blood of Christ as an atonement for their sins. You know what they're going to have to do? They're going to have to shed their own blood. And you might not like that, but that is what the Lord has commanded. And one of these days, the Lord is going to come and He is going to exercise the power and the authority that He has and He is going to execute wrath. He is going to execute judgment on this earth and that's why we need to be proclaiming Jesus as Lord. We've got to let the people in our community know that Jesus is their Lord. He is their authority. And He is going to punish them one of these days if they don't believe on Him, if they don't trust Him. If He's not going to put up with their adulteries. He's not going to put up with their drunkenness, especially if they're His children. And it's like people don't realize that. We're, we're, we're being so soft in the Gospel. We're being so vague on so... We've got to let people know it's our job to warn people in this area. And so this passage in Revelation 19, folks, this is prophecy. When the Bible prophesies something is going to happen, it's as good as past history. You understand that? This hasn't happened yet, but it will happen just as sure as anything in history happened. It is going to happen. 
And it's, it's going to happen because Jesus is Lord and people have violated His authority. They have, they have violated His commands and they're going to suffer. And so the fact that lords today do not recognize this and that the authorities scoff at it, it doesn't change reality and it doesn't change the fact they will be dealt with. Our governor is going to be dealt with by the Lord. Every governor, every president that, uh, that had tried to get churches shut down in the last year, they're going to be dealt with. In other countries too. Even other countries that don't have religious freedom, did you know they're going to deal with God for not having religious freedom in their country? They're going to get in trouble for that. Do you know China? I know China's never had any freedom like we have. But you know what they've done to churches? They're going to pay for that one of these days. They're going, to, they're going to be judged by God for what they are doing to these people, for what they've been doing to Christians, every one of these nations that have persecuted God's people, that have tried to restrict religion, every community that has tried to put a stop to the soul winning that goes on, every one of these uh, trailer parks and housing authorities that have tried to run soul winners out of there, did you know that they're going to pay for that one of these days? Now, I get it. They said we can't do it, but God said we can do it. So when they said we can't do it, they went against the higher authority. They went against the higher power. They went against the Lord. And folks, even if our Constitution were to go against what the Lord God Almighty says, our Constitution is out of line, and they're going to they're be in trouble for that. And so we've got to understand that no matter what people say, Jesus is Lord of Lords. Yeah, but the king said, I know, but God said something else. Jesus said something else. It doesn't matter. So the thing that we've got to do, are we going to submit to the higher powers? And submit to God, or are we going to submit to a lower guy, a lower level Lord? I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to submit to the higher power because Jesus Christ is Lord. Second Timothy, or Second Thessalonians 2 7 says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. One of these days, Jesus Christ, he is going to come back and he is going to destroy this devil who has exalted himself above all that is called God. That Antichrist that has declared himself to be God and who is going to appear to be getting away with it for a while. Jesus is going to come back and he's going to let the Antichrist and let everybody else know that, no, that guy was never in charge. He was never in charge. He was never the authority. Nobody ever should have listened to him. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to destroy him. You know why? Because he is Lord. And understand, when the Antichrist comes to power, we know what the Bible says. Those ten kings of the earth, they're all going to get together. All the authorities of this earth are going to get together. And you know what? The entire world is going to agree, let's give our power to this one guy. But you know what? Even though the world is in agreement on that, Jesus isn't. The actual Creator, the actual Lord, He is not in agreement with that. And you know what He's going to do? He's going to punish the world for that. And that's why we should never, ever, ever go along with these things. And so as Christians, we need to have faith right now that Jesus is Lord and we don't want to rebel with Him with, with the rest of the world. We, if we actually have faith that Jesus Christ is Lord, that when we see our, uh, the other lords on this earth trying to get people to disobey Him, you know what we're going to do? We're going to disobey those people. And we should. We should disobey 
our governors, our presidents, our community leaders, when they step out of line, when they get, when they start doing things that God never authorized them to do, we should disobey them because we're obeying God. And that's where we ought to obey God rather than men. And no matter how badly somebody, you know, eisegetes Romans 13, we should never listen to these people. We should never, no matter how bad somebody butchers the scripture, no matter how much somebody proves their ignorance, we don't do that. Because Jesus Christ is, he is Lord. Jesus is coming to judge the world. The fact he's coming to judge the world is proof that he is the Lord of this earth. Jesus is setting up a great white throne and everyone who did not believe on him is going to be cast into hell. You know what that is? That's proof that he is Lord. The, the fact that he can do that. The fact that no one can stop him from doing that. It's proof of who he claims he is. So another thing we see, turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. So Jesus being Lord means he is on authority over the entire earth. But we also see Jesus' promise to deal with disobedient children on earth is proof that He is Lord over us and expects submission right now. Now, let me just say this again. You know, for those who uh, believe in what I... my definition of Lordship salvation, okay, that is heresy. Okay? I did not get saved by agreeing to following some set of rules. I did not get saved by committing my life to being a disciple of Christ. I did not get saved through any promise that I made to God about repenting of my sins, living my life for Him, whatever. Okay, I didn't get saved by any promise or commitment I made to God. I got saved by a promise and commitment He made to me that He would save me. And all I had to do was believe the Gospel, receive it, and I'm saved by that. Okay, So understand that. And now... Somebody that has used that term worship salvation, if that's not what they think they did, well, then I'm glad they didn't do that. Because that, but that's what some people are teaching you have to do in order to be saved. That it's a call to discipleship. It's a commitment to Him uh, to serve the Lord, even to, to the death, I've heard some people say. You know, and I don't believe that's a free salvation. Uh, I, I, di- I completely disagree with that. But let me tell you something. When, you know, when Jesus, even before Jesus saved me, he expected me to obey his word. You know that? God expects us to obey his laws. Thou shalt not kill is not just for Christians. It's for everybody. Amen. And again, if God is punishing the earth for disobeying his law, that shows that he expects them to obey that law, doesn't it? So you better believe as one of his children, God expects us to submit to his authority. To recognize his authority. It says in Hebrews 12:5, And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children? My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked. Well, why is he chastening me? Why is he rebuking me? Because he can. He's our father. It would, be, it would be wrong if you saw me rebuking and chastening somebody else's child. Because they're not my child. I have no authority over them. But if it's my child, that's fine. You know? And... If I see you chastening your child, rebuking them, I'll, I'll be the first one to cheer you on. You know, good, good for you. You're a good parent. I see you doing it to somebody else's kid. I'm going to say something's wrong with you. But, I, but I, I respect and I support you doing that with your child because you are their authority. And understand, 
We, got, we are under God's authority. And it says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom his father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For verily, for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So God... His chastening is to make us holy. Why is He make, trying to make us holy? He's try, because we, He's wanting us to be like Him. Well, what is holiness? It's obeying His Word. It's obeying His law. When we don't do it, He punishes us. Why? Because He can. Because He has that authority. And so when you are familiar with the Lord's in your life, you have a pretty good idea of how they're going to feel about certain behaviors. You know, we have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen if we speed in this country, don't we? You know, we have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen if we, uh, you know, at least a rough idea. We don't know exactly a lot of times, but, you know, if you evade taxes, things like that, the stuff we're all scared of. And we regularly check up on laws and things to make sure we don't get in trouble with people because we recognize them as having some lordship over us. And for an example, okay, just this week, uh, I called the city about our basement, okay, uh, because, you know, we just finished it and before when they did their inspection, it wasn't ready and we had to get the electrical stuff done. And, and so um, I had them come before and it turned out we were already fine. But I remember when I first came out here, I was originally shocked that we even had to do that stuff because the church that I was from was out in the country. It was outside city limits. So the only inspections they ever did was when, like, we built a place. They didn't do the annual fire code inspection. They didn't do any of that stuff out there. So I came out here. And then, like, the city shows up wanting to, like, go through our building to make sure we had enough fire extinguishers and, you know, we had, had to have all these things right. And then they had to do this electrical inspection and there was, like, all these little things that weren't right and they were telling us we had to do. And I'm just like, you know, I'm thinking, who are you to tell us what to do? You know, who are you to tell us what kind of outlets? They made us change in that basement of that church, all the outlets in the kitchen. They had to be the kind with little breakers on them. I don't even know about that stuff. That's stupid. The ones that are there work just fine. But it wasn't code. And you know, I got real mad. I, I remember, I don't want to say too much, but you know. Let's just say, I went to the city building and one of the individuals there, right, the main guy I like, the guy, that guy, he's been fantastic. All right, you know, Mark, if you guys know who Mark is, uh, that guy has been a blessing over the years. If he ever runs for anything, I promise I'll vote for him because I, I really like him. But there was one person that was there that was just like a real stickler. And just She reminded me of a Nazi and she's like telling me all this stuff, and I'm just like, where did I move to? You know. But apparently that's a common thing. I just wasn't familiar with it. But eventually I was like, you know what? I guess I will recognize this authority that they have. You know, I don't like it. I don't really agree with it. But you know, at the same time too, we do see examples of building codes in the Bible, don't we? Where it talks about battlements on the roof and stuff. And you know, I don't know about that stuff. I don't care that much but at the same time i'm glad it's there to a certain extent so you know we submitted we recognized that authority and so we've gone along we've cooperated and we've always done all these things and we're all good to use the basement here according to the city and i still 
it puts a bad taste in my mouth admitting that we even had to get permission, but oh well, I've submitted to it. I've recognized, I've recognized that authority. But let me tell you something. You know what I haven't done? I haven't been checking on the latest guidelines about church attendance. You know, on, on, on how we're allowed to worship. I haven't checked up on that stuff at all. You know what? Because I do not recognize that authority. I do not recognize that at all. I'm not interested. And, you know, it, that's just, um, you say, well, they're going to prove to you. Well, they're going to have to come prove it. You know, and you say that's a rebellious attitude, but oh well. Uh, and so the thing is, a lot of people, though, they're that way with Jesus. Okay, now I believe I'm right that they don't have, I believe I'm right according to our U.S. Constitution on that. And I definitely know I'm right according to the Bible on that. But you know, a lot of people, and, and, and we, we ought to be careful. We ought to have great fear when it comes to that kind of thing and make sure we're right. But if we recognize Jesus' lordship over us, then we will get into his word and we're going to find out how he feels about things because we're no, we know we're going to give an account one of these days. Every year when I get to know that they're going to come do the fire code inspection, I know what they expect. I know what they look for. And so you know what I do? I go through here and I make sure we're all good. I make sure our exit lights are all still working. I make sure our emergency lights are all functioning. I know how to check all that stuff. I, I look for all those things myself because it's my hope that when they come through here and they check everything, that we'll all be good and they'll leave us alone. And you know what? They almost find something every time. Every time. I think there was one year where they didn't find anything. There's always something uh, that I missed or something that they didn't find, you know, the year before. And, uh, you know, it's frustrating. But we need to, Jesus is going to come back one of these days and check and see what we've been doing. And you know what we ought to do? We ought to get in his word and find out what he wants us to do. We ought to find out what he expects of us. Because there is going to be a reckoning one of these days. Romans 14.10 says, But why dost thou judge thy brother... Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. That's from Isaiah 45. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God, and we should all have a healthy fear of that. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Because we know He's our Lord. He's the boss. He's going to stand before us one of these days. We understand that. We recognize that. So we have a fear because we know what he's allowed to do, what he's capable of doing, and he does have all power and authority. There's a lot of people out there running their mouth that I am, I'm not convinced. In fact, I'm convinced, you know, that if our governor came in or, you know, even our, some of our local leaders and tried messing with us, I think if we went to the courts and fought some of these things, I think we'd win. And we've seen that too with many churches. When the leaders got out of line and thought they had more authority than they did, those churches fought back and went to court. And you know what? Found, turned out they were right. Turned out that they, uh, and they didn't get in trouble in that. I think that's a blessing. So, we need to understand when a sinner gets saved, and you need to understand this too, when the Lordship Salvation crowd is trying to define our position and basically mis, you know, defining us, we need to understand when a sinner gets saved, they have recognized Jesus as Lord, and don't let anybody tell you any different. Okay? Now look what it says. In Romans 3 and verse 28, any admission of, admission of sin is an admission that the law is good in your authority. It's like, I personally, I don't believe that we have violated anything, technically, in the last year and a half. Because uh, I, think, I think we've gone along with what the higher authorities say, and, and therefore we are fine. Okay, And then, and said, some wannabe tyrant that comes along running their mouth, I don't recognize that authority. 
And so therefore, if I were to go to court for something, I would claim not guilty. Right? Because I haven't, I haven't violated anything. But listen, when you admit guilt, when you admit you're a sinner, you know what you're doing? You're confessing that the law is good. Romans 3.28 says, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. What Paul's saying here, faith doesn't mean we're getting rid of the law. No, what we're doing, we're establishing the law. When we put our faith in Christ, you know what we're doing? We're saying, I violated the law. If we admit we violated the law, you know what we're admitting? That the law is good. If we admit that the law is good, then we also are admitting that there is a penalty and a punishment for sin. And that it's God that is going to administer that punishment. We are recognizing His authority when we admit that we're a sinner. And if, if, I, if you do, if somebody, if, you know, if somebody else's wife breaks a rule that I have in my home, they haven't sinned, have they? They didn't sin against you as a husband. They haven't done anything wrong. They shouldn't admit any guilt because I have no authority over there. But when a person admits guilt, it is a recognition of that authority being over them. So understand, when a person admits they're a sinner, what they are doing, they are, that's, that's admitting Jesus has his Lord over them. That is admitting Jesus' authority. They might not fully understand all these things. I don't think you have to fully grasp and understand everything about salvation. But when you study the Bible, when you study salvation, there is no doubt admission of sin is an admission of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we see in Acts 16.30 that believing on Christ is believing on Him as Lord. Notice in Acts 16.30 says they brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Now that doesn't mean when he said believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that he's saying that you know, you've got to make Jesus Lord of your life and you've got to submit to all his rules. No, I love how he did this here because think about this. You've got a jailer. A miracle's just happened. He recognizes the miracle. He recognizes that God has let these guys out of prison. He's scared. He comes to them and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This guy is willing. He is surrendered. If they would have said, do 45 jumping jacks, he'd have done 45 jumping jacks. If they'd have said, get baptized, he'd have got baptized. If they'd have said, you know, go join a church, he would have joined a church. But you know what they said? You know what they said to this guy who's saying, sirs? This guy who's saying, what do I got to do? You know what they said? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, you're ready to surrender yourself right now. But you know what? It's not about coming to us. It's not about just doing what we say to do. You know what you need? You need to believe on the Lord. Jesus Christ. The instructions were very clear. Believe on Him. It can't get any more clear than that. But this man who recognized the Lordship of Jesus Christ, these guys didn't give him a list of things to do. You know what they did? They told him to believe. And when he did, that man got saved. He was, in, And so when you believe on the Lord, on Jesus Christ, you literally are recognizing and doing all the things the Lordship Salvation crowd says we don't do, including turning from sins. Okay? I do believe you need a turning from sins to be saved. I just think that Jesus needs to turn you from your sins and not you yourself. Some people think turning from sins, and this is what they believe, 
But when they say turning from sins, it means I've turned my life around, I've reformed my life, I'm being a better person. Well, the problem is we can't be good enough to please a holy God. You know what we need? We need Jesus to turn us from our sins. We need Jesus to cleanse us from our sins. We need, to get, we need him to give us imputed righteousness. We need him to continue being our intercessor for when we sin. Because we do sin. And that's why in Acts 3.26 it says, Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning every one of you from his iniquities. You know what? I got turned from my sins when I got saved. It was just Jesus that turned me from my sins. Some people, they're talking about how they turn from their own sins. Uh, we can't do it. We can't do a good enough job. Well, I, I think we can. Well, not if you recognize Jesus as Lord. If you recognize Jesus as Lord, then you would understand that you turning from your sins means you've got to obey all the laws of God. Not just the select ones your preacher picks out. You know, for whatever his hobby horses are. Okay? So what I need is him to turn me from my sins, meaning he gives me cleansing, he gives me imputed righteousness. He takes away the guilt of those sins. He intercedes for me when I sin. That's what I need. So, um, yeah, I believe in turning from sins, but I, let, I believe in Jesus doing it, not you doing it for yourself. And so if you, believe, if you believe sins need to be removed from your life for you to go to heaven, um, or so, but, or no, I, I'm reading that wrong. So I believe sins need to be removed from your life for you to go to heaven, I just believe Jesus has to do it. And that's why it says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I can't cleanse myself because I can't do all these things that the Lord said to do. But thankfully, the Lord said, He will cleanse me from them if I will believe on Him. And so since He's Lord, I'm going to do what He said. And I'm going to believe on Him. I'm going to trust Him for, some, for my salvation. And let me tell you, those of you, if you think, I'm going to turn from my own sins, I'm going to reform my own life, I'm going to repent of my own sins, you know what? God doesn't need your fig leaves. You know what we saw in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sowed those fig leaves together? Repentance. They, they were sorry for eating of that fruit. They were, they were under conviction. Think about that. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they were sorry they were under conviction. They realized they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. But you know what? God wasn't pleased with that. God didn't care about that camp meeting that they went to and the preacher only told them, you know, just fig leaves is good enough. You know, that, that, that wasn't enough. God said, no, you, bet you come to me. I'm going to make coats of skin for you to cover your nakedness. And God covered their sins. That's what real, that's what real salvation is. And so, but, it, but either way, either way, we must never forget every day. We need to remember Jesus is the Lord, whatever you're doing today, you, you do something against God's word. You're going against the Lord. He's your boss and you're going to be in trouble with him. He, he's going to deal with you. We don't ever want to forget that he's coming back. He's going to deal with us on these things. We will regret it. We are not getting away with anything folks. You're and especially if you're saved, you're not going to get away with anything. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord. I thank you so much for your word. I pray this message was clear and, and it was a help to everyone. I pray all of us will uh, make a better effort in our everyday lives to uh, acknowledge you in everything that we do and help us always recognize your authority. And Lord, help us to proclaim your authority throughout this whole earth to uh, spread the message of, of your word and that you're coming back and that pray that folks will 
I'll believe on you for salvation. In your name we pray. Amen.